What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Kahn, is the Ringer's latest narrative podcast. Episodes one and two launch on June 9th, and you can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, Stay Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it, all that creamy soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. We're also brought to you by the ringer.com as well as the ringer podcast network where Chris Ryan has been cranking out the watch. <laughs> Going on 18 years now, Chris. Congrats. Right. Yeah. You're still cranking it. Sean's cranking out the big picture. I'm cranking out the Bill Simmons podcast. The book of basketball 2.0 podcast premiered the, uh, what if the limb bias story? Yeah. So you can find it on there. Really good one coming up. I'm not going to quit my job. I'm just going to do it better. <laughs> <laughs> Inspiring. City Slickers is next. Yesterday, they were businessmen. Do you know what I found yesterday? Hair in my ear. I'm losing hair where I want hair, and I'm getting hair where there shouldn't be hair. Today, they're cowboys. What do you think? I think you look like one of the village people. Tomorrow, they'll be walking funny. Billy Crystal. Bruno Kirby. Oh, God. Oh, God. Daniel Stern. Oh, I was watching him castrate a horse. Directed by Ron Underwood. City Slickers, rated PG-13. Well, I'm hungry. How about you? Special sneak preview Saturday at a theater near you. All right, we're doing this in person. Chris Ryan is here. Sean Fantasy is here. Uh, this movie's been a running joke for us ever since. What was the podcast, Sean? It sounds like it was Neighbors when Chris Ryan decided that they just don't make them like they used to. They just don't make them like City Slickers. Like Lowell and Babalu. Lowell Gans just, and Babalu Mandel, yeah. Just cranking out a script with some story, <laughs> some set pieces. Some pathos. <laughs> some cows. Some angst, some, some midlife crisis angst. Um, this is a corny midlife crisis movie <laughs> that is incredibly rewatchable. Uh, is really entertaining. It was the fifth biggest movie of 1991. It cemented Billy Crystal as a star. When you say that they don't make them like this anymore, 
They actually really don't make movies like this anymore. They I do. feel like if they do like the dark midlife crisis thing, it gets super dark. Like it, it's not you. You're the dad in euphoria now online doing something horrible. Or they cheat it, and the midlife crisis is happening to a guy who's like two years out of college. Right. You know He's that's like the Seth Rogen like, thing where it's just like I smoke a lot of weed and I'm dating Catherine Heigl, but I got it together in the end. Like you do still relate to the dad in euphoria though, right? It's going to be really weird. I feel like you're going to really ride the third rail on this pod. I'm excited. Um, The theme of this movie is basically, I'm as good as I'm ever going to look. I'm as successful as I probably am ever going to be. I can't believe I'm this young and my life is basically over. What do I do next? And then at the end, we realize what you do next is you go cattle herding. Mm -hmm. You adopt a young cow, save him from being veal parmesan three weeks later. <laughs> Bring that cow back to New York City with a smile on your face. Right. Your family's fine. That's right. That's wow. all it takes. No spoiler alert or anything there. You just gave yeah. away the whole film. Spoiler What am I missing, Chris? Well, I think that the thing you're missing is that like the movies that try to do this kind of thing now, everything that happens in this movie is the same thing that happens in Neighbors or Knocked Up or any other like contemporary comedy. It's just that these guys don't look like James Franco and Jason Siegel. You know what I mean? Like These guys actually do look like schlubby middle-aged men. It is Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby and Billy Crystal. So there is, I think, a little bit of a relatability to it. And I think also these are movies tend these like castle rock comedies that kind of came out in the late 80s and early 90s tend to like lead with sentimentality and then have funny stuff happening rather than ha- lead with the funny stuff and then jam some sentimentality in the end. What'd you notice on the rewatch, Sean? Feels like the culmination of the yuppie in crisis movie. You know, like Lost in America, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, When Harry Met Sally. A lot of movies at at this time between like 85 and 92 or so. Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. Parenthood. You know, yeah. a lot Parenthood. Of, Another Gans and Mandel classic yes. right there. Uh, there was a very specific brand of comedy kind of coming out of Reagan era where you have a lot of people who are sort of like doing pretty well in the middle class. And those people who are doing well in the middle class, you know, their their life is stable. But their problems are like internal and emotional and weirdly psychological. They've been through the 60s and the 70s and now they're like, who am I? What is the point of my life? There's there's also like the really funny thing where it's like all these guys have like super normal jobs yet can support families of two in New York City. Like they live in Manhattan, but he's like, I'm like a mid-level advertising guy at like a radio station. Yeah. But like we live in Central Park and West or whatever they they do. It's really funny. Gaynor Stern works at a grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> And somehow he's making it work. Let's talk about Crystal. Because this movie, this is the Billy Crystal apex. I'm just going to spoil Apex okay. out now. This is the apex for him. Fascinating career. And you could split it up into three parts. So, and by the way, I had Billy Crystal stock this whole time. I love Billy Crystal because I love the show Soap in the 70s. My dad and I used to watch that. And he was the gay guy on Soap. That was how he kind of became famous. Um, was cut out, 1975, cut out of the first Saturday Night Live episode. Hmm was supposed to do like four minutes of stand-up on the first show, which was going to be the most important pop culture comedy show of that decade, got cut out and is just on a train going back to like Long Island, wherever he lived. Like, oh my God, that was the biggest break of my life. That went south. Um, Lost Three's Company to John Ritter was supposed to get that or not, or thought he had a chance to get it. John Ritter. I think that was the right choice. I didn't know that. That's interesting. That's I mean, crazy. Yeah. John Ritter was a genius, but Billy Crystal probably would have been good on that show. He would have been good. I don't know. I was talking about it with Jimmy and Sal because we all idolized John Ritter and that show. And it, I don't know if he could have done a lot of the physical comedy, mm. but I think there would have been an intellectual piece that maybe yeah. 
the show didn't need. I don't know. So anyway, he gets that. Lands a job on Soap, which was a real cutting-edge comedy, which I would... I don't even know what the doppelganger now would be. It would be like a really smart Showtime comedy that didn't do that well, but everybody really respected. Like a Weeds type of... Yeah, I was thinking you know like I mean? Shameless. Is it? Yeah, like something shameless? like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really cool show. It's a parody of a soap, um, but they pushed a lot of envelopes, and he was the gay guy in that. Then he's in Rabbit Test. Oh, yeah. Joan Rivers. A Joan Rivers-directed comedy, huh. written and directed by Joan Rivers, where he plays the world's first pregnant man. That bombs. All right, now we're in trouble. Now he's in that Battle of the Network stars, Love Boat. He's on game shows. He's on you know, $20,000 pyramid. He's So now he's having that run. Gets the Billy Crystal Comedy Hour in 1982 on NBC. Another big break. Variety show. Two episodes canceled. So when 75... Is that? When is that? So that's like that's in 1982. 82. So 75 to 83, it basically just didn't happen. Soap gets canceled. And then he hosts Saturday Night Live. And he's great. And they bring him back and he hosts it again. And it's right after Eddie Murphy's leaving. And they're kind of like, is this show going to exist? And he does so well, they actually offer him to be the permanent guest host. He says no, but I'll be in the cast. Goes on the cast. He's with Martin Short. He's with Jim Belushi, Christopher Guest. And it becomes this iconic SNL season. And he becomes a star. And he does the Fernando Lamas. This is marvelous. So now his career's taken off. He does me and Chris's favorite movie, Running Scared. Mm-hmm. He does comic relief with with Robin Williams and Whoopi Goldman, uh, Goldberg. Does five in a row, of which those. I remember as um, like one of the first things I ever watched on cable. Like I think that my dad got cable in Philly for a Tyson fight, if I remember correctly. But then we like I was most excited about comic relief. And Letterman did a thing for comic relief, which I think was. I don't know if it was the most important moment of 1986 for me, but it's in like the top six. I didn't have a lot going on. What, did he just do like a regular like stand-up bit? Or no, he did. He filmed a piece with Chris Elliott where they go, they go like they're on a boat and Chris Elliott starts to get like unseemly on the boat. And it's, it's actually really funny. <laughs> Can you believe the so, 80s? <laughs> all of a sudden, Billy Crystal's an A-list star. Yeah. He's in Princess Bride. He hosts the Grammys, 86, 87, 88. Does a movie called Memories of Me that doesn't do that well. Does Throw Mama Off the Train with Danny DeVito and those guys. And then When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. And that becomes a phenomenon. Which leads to, he hosts the Oscars four years in a row. 90, 91, 92, 93. And he's the best Oscars host they ever had. City Slickers. And then Mr. Saturday Night, which was his vanity project. That was his, like, that was his is, Mr. Holland's opus. By the time he's in City Slickers, he is an A-plus lister. I would say one of the five most important stars. He was dead in the water in 82. It's a good success story. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, too, because he always looked like Billy Crystal. Right. You know what I mean? So in some ways, it's just like, it'll be hard to explain to our kids this, this is a guy who was like as famous as you could get for a while, yeah. you know, and he like looks like Jerry Seinfeld's like weird cousin, you know, like it, it really is. It, it is sort of a miracle. He also, he was really helped by the talk show circuit. Talk show circuit was incredibly important back then. And Carson, Letterman, any of those, he would always kill. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of kept you alive, even if your projects weren't working. Yeah, he kind of dragged himself to a version of fame that is now gone and I feel like most people's fame now more closely resembles what he was doing in the 80s where he would just do everything yeah you know he was he didn't have like one very specific skill set he was a funny sketch comic um he was a funny stand-up comic he was a really good variety show guest but the idea of him becoming like a 
I mean, literally a reason to go see a movie. He was a reason to go see a movie for like eight or nine years there. Right. And it feels like he just waited it out and waited it out and figured out how to make himself work in that mold. There's not a lot of people in the history of Hollywood who did that. Like Jack Benny, maybe? There are only a handful of people I could think of who were like, this guy is has a TV show, is great on the couch opposite another host. He could be the star of a movie, like to be or not to be or something like that. But for the most part, when you think of them, you think of them as like this like entertainment wallpaper. You know, Billy Crystal was just like always there, whether it was on the Oscars yeah. or the Grammys or these other shows. Always so, playing himself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And in City Slickers, he's just, he's playing himself. He's like a slightly less successful version of himself. He's playing the When Harry Met Sally guy, just now having a midlife crisis. It's interesting though. You you talk about like how hard it is to break out of that. Like Chris Rock's had a lot of issues with that, right? Yeah. Chris yeah. Rock, Billy Crystal was always Billy Crystal, no matter what movie he's in. Chris Rock always felt like Chris Rock, but you could never totally accept him as a movie star, but he was able to do the comedy specials, all those things. Crystal was a huge movie star while also morphing into this like Bob Hope where yeah. he's hosting all these different things and he's by far the best person to host the Oscars, the Grammys, comic relief. And this is like 10 years of his life where he's just the best at multiple things. There's something really interesting. I, I don't know if you guys talked about this on the When Harry Met Sally rewatchables, but... Because you didn't listen to it? or No, I just can't remember. It was a while ago. I don't remember Because either. I just can't remember, like... I, I, I know that they, they probably wouldn't do this, but, like, is there a reason they don't just run back When Harry Met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle? Like, he kind of, like, diverges off of this path, and I don't want to say he gets marker corrected by Tom Hanks, because Tom Hanks obviously yeah. had a lot going for him. But Tom Hanks doesn't have an entirely dissimilar career from Billy Crystal for a while there. You know, and so then he, they both are doing movies like this in the, in the 80s and 90s. Tom Hanks is in Splash, Billy Crystal's in, you know, like, and then kind of Tom Keaton's Hanks, like, it. takes it over. That's what I was going to say. I mean, the, the Mandel and Gans films are almost entirely Crystal, Hanks, Keaton and Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. Those are the avatars of this kind of like 40-something guy who's got to figure his shit out. And they were all good at it. And they were all slightly different. There was like a slightly different flavor to all four of them. Um, and that's also not really like a traditional format now for a movie star. We don't have a lot of people that look like those guys, which is neither good nor bad. It's just different. Yeah. Crystal did this thing where you felt like you were hanging out with them. He always figured out in the movies that worked the best. And I think Running Scared, which I love that movie, mm -hmm. is another one like that where there would be like the these moments that he would have with people on the screen where you felt like he was genuinely friends with those people, right? And when Harry Met Sally had those, they ad-libbed some of it. Um, and then this movie, the same thing. Like the my favorite parts of this movie are just when they're kind of like riding horses. The three guys yeah, talking. Right. Yeah. Shooting shit and talking about like telling Mickey Mantle stories and stuff like that. He always kind of instinctively understood oh, this is a sweet spot for me. Whereas like at Robin Williams riding a horse, I would just never buy it. Him talking about his dad taking him to go see Mickey Mantle. But Robin Williams obviously took his acting career probably a little bit more seriously than Crystal did. He's probably a better actor. Sure. Yeah, he definitely was. But he was not as... Um, I think Robin Williams was not as interested in his own persona. He was interested in playing other people. Billy Crystal was really interested in himself. And he's like all... You know, he's obviously so influenced by the vaudevillians and by yeah. the 50s and 60s comics. And those guys were always themselves. Alan King was always himself. Yeah, can you imagine like Robin Williams hosting the Oscars? Like it would be incredible, but he would break the Oscars. Like there's no way he would be able to stay within the lane lines. That was the genius of comic relief. Was right. The three of them kind right. of like bouncing off of each other right. and being able to compliment They kind of rein him in. Yeah. So then from 94, 94, 95, it flips a little for Billy. 
City Slickers 2 Money Grab happens. I think that was the title. Was it Money Grab? No. Um, Forget Paris, which is a movie I should have liked. He plays an NBA ref. Yeah. It just wasn't good. And then he turns down <laughs> Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Just says, no, I'm good. And they give it to Hanks. That's mm-hmm. a tough one. And then, you know, then he had a, he he rallied back with that analyze, analyze that, analyze this. What was the first one? This, this was first. Then, this and then, then that. He yeah. directed 61, which I thought was a really good sports movie on HBO. And he's kind of, you know, he's been around ever since. But this was, this was his peak. And I mentioned this because, so Jack, Jack. Palance. Jack Palance. I always want to say Palance. Palance. Jack Palance wins for Best Supporting Actor mm-hmm. for this movie, which is unbelievable. We'll talk about that in a second. Billy's hosting the Oscars when that wins, and it's like the ultimate Apex Mountain moment. This movie's the fifth biggest movie in 91. This dude that he cast, who was the second choice, we'll get into casting what ifs, um, wins the Oscar, then does the one-handed push-ups, yeah. and then Crystal's making jokes about it for the next two hours, and it was like one of the most famous Oscars moments ever. It's just not going to get any better for Billy Crystal. They, do you think? I feel like they tried to like have some sort of magic like that this year with like engineering it so that the Bozeman Award would go last, so that they would have like a moment like that. Yeah, I I think it's really hard to engineer those. Yes, yeah. right. Like, yeah, I think that's one of the ways that. Like Kimmel distinguished himself when the La La Land moonlight thing happened yeah. because he was good on his feet and Crystal was always so good on his feet. I and mean, that's what made him such a good host. It wasn't that he sang those songs or whatever at the beginning of the show. That stuff is fine. But he was awesome coming out of the commercial break, ready to comment on the whatever ridiculousness had just happened. Just so, I just I guess it's just kids. He would do a lot of Nicholson banter too, right? Talking to the audience. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know what else happened this year? He became the Clippers super fan. Right. Mm. The 92 Clippers went 45 and 37. Larry Brown took over Danny halfway Manning? through the Who's Danny Manning yeah. and they ended up losing uh, a pretty banger of a series to the Jazz in five. <laughs> it's a, like a solid series. Those games will a be first on. round like, series? Yeah, but so it's back like to five series. Early Malone and Stockton kind of hitting their peak, but Danny Manning and like a Clippers crowd that actually has energy. And, Who else is on um, that team? Like Olden Polonies? Yeah, it's uh hold on, I'll find that for you, Sean. I have that right <laughs> Love here. Love to know who's on the ninety five. We Clippers. have uh we have some Ron Harper. Oh sure. Oh nice, yeah. yeah. Old of Doc Rivers, yeah. Charles Smith. Oh yeah, good team. Charles Smith before they gave him to your Knicks, Ken Norman, Old Polonies, Loy Vaught. Ooh, Loy Vaught. The Buddha James Edwards was there. So yeah, not a bad team. Um Where did so, they yeah. used to play? Who? The Clippers. San Diego. No, no, no. I mean like in the in the nineties where they at like Oh, the sports arena. The sports arena. Yeah, that's tough. Uh Let's talk about Jack. This is a weird best supporting no <laughs> Oscar. <shit>. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> He's in the movie for 20 minutes? Not not even that. I counted. Um, he's He arrives at the 35th minute of the movie, and he's gone by the 53rd minute of the movie. He no, basically has one long, se- yeah. one long scene and a couple of one-liners. It's... I don't feel like it's an Oscar travesty as much as like it's just kind of inexplicable. I remembered it in my head. I hadn't seen this movie in a while. I remembered it in my head as like, oh, yeah, he was great in that movie. And then I watched him like, he's in this movie for 12% of the movie. I completely forgot that he died. And he's this not movie. like exactly De Niro and taxi driver during his scenes. Like he's basically like just playing an old cowboy. <laughs> I think he's good. Yeah. He's good. When he's but not in like, it. let's give him the Oscar good. It's also like, <laughs> he doesn't necessarily, he has a cool career, 
But it wasn't like, man, we really jobbed Pacino this many times. We got to make it up, up to him. You know what I make mean? Make up for Jack. <laughs> yeah. Shane in 53. Yeah. We really fucked that up. So I think the thing about it is this category, more than any other category at the Oscars, has done a good job of recognizing comedies. This is the category that Kevin Klein won for for A Fish Called Wanda. This is a category where if you're in a mainstream comedy, you can win. Not always, but you can win. And it, I guess it just kind of felt right to acknowledge the contributions that he had made over the last 50 years to movies. Well, it was a bad slate of nominees. And I'm going to redo this right now okay. for, for you because there's a way this should have worked out. So the category was Jack Wins, Tommy Lee Jones for JFK. He's amazing. Yeah. The Clay Poppers. Shaw, yeah. Love it. We're doing that at the end of the year. It's on the schedule. Wow. Get ready. Are we going to have Chuck beam in from a satellite? <laughs> Chuck will be here. We're flying Chuck in yeah. for that. <laughs> Harvey Keitel and Ben Kingsley for Bugsy, hmm. which we've discussed in the past. There's this weird Warren Beatty Oscars yeah. thing going on. It's weird on they both got nominated yeah, too. Very strange. And then Michael Lerner for Barton Fink. That's okay. a really good performance. Here's what the real problem was. Hopkins wins for best actor. Even though he's not. Hopkins just should have been in the best supporting actor category. And then this all works out. And then he wins. We're not wondering why the fuck Jack Palance won for um, City Slickers. And there's a couple of travesties this year. We talked about one of them, Val Kilmer in The Doors. Mm -hmm. He didn't get nominated. Best actor that year was Hopkins, Warren Beatty, De Niro K. Fear, Nick Dalton, Prince of Tides, Robin Williams, Fisher King. The big travesties were Val Kilmer and then Sean and I think Bill Murray was robbed for What About Bob? I Elite. completely agree with you. Elite. Yeah. Um, and then for Best Supporting, no surprise because the Oscars did not acknowledge black people ever at that point in the uh, Oscars thing, but Lawrence Fishburne. In Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood. Yeah. yeah. Don't know if you saw that movie, but he's pretty good. Yeah, I good caught that it. one. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's I had, kind of like- I didn't even realize it was the same year. That's pretty crazy. And then Chris Rock in New Jack City. I think you could make a case. He's really good in that movie. He had no chance. Yeah, yeah that but. would have been more of a stretch. The Fishburne thing is actually pretty weird. I think one of the other things that happened too is in a lot of these movies, a lot of these movies had two male leads. You know, like Cape Fear is Nolte and De Niro. Um, the Fisher King is Robin Jeff Williams Bridges. and your boy Jeff Bridges. So that maybe speaks to a little bit of the dearth of it. I, the idea of nominating Kingsley and Keitel for, for Bugsy is bizarre. I almost want to watch Bugsy again. I feel like I just I'd, remember Bugsy as being the the peak of like Premier Magazine, just being like, "This is going to be a masterpiece and will win a lot of Oscars," and like no one could tell anybody differently. Like even yeah. though the movie got like yeah. two and a half, three stars, like pretty good, but also pretty inert. It was just like, nope, this is getting lots of Oscars because Beatty made a movie. I think that's right. I think you nailed it. So Fishburn, but, but Pal, I mean Palance won for a reason. He did win for what the the. The sort of memorial, it's, it's time award, though. I mean, he he wasn't he was the black hat and Shane, I but mean, he, he wasn't was, up yeah. for like a lot of Oscars that he missed out on that they then made up for. Right? He wasn't, but he had been nominated twice in the fifties. Okay, so there were, I mean, there are very few people in in the history of Hollywood who had to wait forty years between their Oscar nominations. Um, so it, you know, there was just a big an acknowledgement of the work that he did in the early days of Hollywood, I guess. If I'm redoing this, Hopkins wins for Best Supporting Actor. If I can't switch him in categories, I actually would give it to Fishburne, who wasn't even nominated. Yeah. thought he was incredible. In I think movie. that's the best one. Yeah. And he has, like, we may or may not be uh, tackling this movie at some point relatively soon, but he has two scenes in that movie that are just highest level. And he's a really important actor, as we've discussed in the past. And um, Yeah, I think there's, like, the gentrification speech he gives in that in that movie and then 
obviously everything like in the, in the final third of the movie is unbelievable. Yeah. But also like I would have gone like Gary Oldman in JFK here. There's like a bunch of smaller parts in that movie too that were more interesting than than Bugsy. Tommy Lee's really going for it in JFK and I'm here for it. Him and Pesci are just him, Pesci and Bacon, that whole crew. Can New you Orleans. wear that the Tommy Lee wig when we do JFK? Yeah, absolutely. I'll paint myself gold if you want me to. <laughs> I'll d- I'm gonna work on Costner's Memphis accent. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do there. I'm gonna do Pesci's New, New Orleans, Orleans accent. Was Costner New Orleans? Yeah, I think that he goes in and out of like mild Cajun. What about John Candy's accent? (laughs) (laughs) They have that dinner and he's eating the oysters. You don't get to talk in that pod except for the nine minute monologue we give you, like Mr. X. (laughs) Yeah, you just get to come in. Uh, City Slickers, $26 million budget made $180 million. That's crazy. It was the fifth biggest movie of this year. Do you want to guess the top five, anybody? Silence, right? Mm-hmm. Do we go calendar grosses or in year releases when I look at this on Box Office Mojo? I think we should do calendar grosses. Yeah. Terminator 2 Judgment Day was one. Yeah, that makes sense. Robin Hood Prince of Thieves was two. Okay. Home Alone. Is Cape Fear in there? Sounds of Lamps. City Slickers. Dances with Wolves, Sleeping with the Enemy. That's our top seven. Then it gets and a little wonky. Yeah, we've done a bunch of these. We've yeah. done T2, we've done Home Alone, Silence, and now we're doing City Slickers. Yeah, Dances Cape, with Wolves was Cape the Fair year was 18th. And you know what I would do that we haven't done is Backdraft. Hmm. Would you have given Kaitao the best supporting for Thumb and Louise or Bugsy? If you could do that one over again. Hey, Kaitao is good in Thumb and Louise. I think he's good. He's better movie. in that than in Bugsy. Madsen's really good in that movie. Yeah. Like, fucking love Madsen in that movie. What about Pitt? Pitt's great. He's in for, what, five minutes? Yeah. Iconic. City Slickers, Roger Ebert. I mean, a man who loves story. Three three out of four, right? Three and a half. Three and and a half stars. Surprised him. He said, much more ambitious and successful than I expected. The proverbial comedy with the heart of the truth. The tear in the eye along with the belly laugh. It's funny and it's at, and it adds up to something. I think that was ex- see, Craig. You just you just don't have a soul. <laughs> that was exactly what Cr said on the Netflix right. pod. You know? Sean, do you want to do? Laugh. Do you want to do like twenty five seconds on Ron Underwood? <laughs> just the cinema of Underwood. Um, oh, I have that. I have that coming. Save it. <laughs> okay. Save okay. it. It came apart pretty quick. No, because you I know you were working on a coffee table book, it, just kind of an appreciation. It's been published. Yeah. Dash and published it. Ninety nine ninety nine hardcover price. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna take a break and do the categories. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car. Get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m., when you order online or in the app, just think of it, all that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size 
listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic Drive-Ins. All right, most rewatchable scene. I really like when they're on the airplane coming back from yeah. running mm-hmm. with the he's, he's running got, with the bulls. His ass is sore. He's got a sore ass. He says, I look like your mother. He starts doing like bad Billy Crystal jokes, <laughs> like just the ultimate dad jokes. I laughed at all of them. <laughs> um, he's Bruno Kirby. He's talking about how young his girlfriend is. Soon you'll be dating sperm. It's like these are all like Jeff Ross roast jokes. <laughs> what did you call them? Desperate attempt to cling to your youth. Yeah, that. That's bullshit. Bullshit? Ed, have you noticed the older you get, the younger your girlfriends get? Soon you'll be deading sperm. <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, Dana Stern pretending he's asleep. This is at the, at the dinner party? or No, at the, at the, at at the, the plane. plane. Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of have the, he's like, where are we going next year? And he's like, when is it ever going to be enough? It's just, that's just great, great uh, script writing there. CR. Do you have friends that are your age who, who try to do boys trips, who still try to like get you to do boys trips? I mean, I'm probably the friend who's trying to get everyone right. else to, right. to do stuff. It gets tough when people get multiple kids. You just do, you've done like multiple Vegas swan songs, right? My last trip. No, I still go to Vegas. Yeah. I just don't write about it. Right. Um, no, we had friends that. You, you make it sound like you go to Vegas every weekend. That was actually <laughs> Well, I haven't gone in a while because of the pandemic. But no, we had, we had friends who were just trying to, come on, one, one last run, let's go. Yeah. And half of them go, half don't. Do you have any desire to do crazy shit before you no longer can? Yeah. Like run with the bulls? No. You're done. Not at all. You're tapped I ne- out. I really never had desire to do stuff like that. Did you guys? Not really. CR? You ju- you, you'll jump off a cliff. I would do stuff like this. I don't know that I would specifically do this. I think like the one thing that they don't remark upon is like, I think driving cattle smells really bad <laughs> and is really uncomfortable. Like you just get like, it's really dusty. It smells like cow shit and yeah. you're on a horse for two weeks. Yeah. Horseback for two weeks sounds no fun. So this movie spurred on a whole like two year run of people doing cattle. Trips. Adventure vacations. Yeah, yeah. Adventure vacations. This is one of the legacies of this movie is. I think if I was going to do something like that, I would want you guys to conduct the game on me. You know, like if I was going to submit myself to something like that, I would want you guys to like the Michael Douglas game. Bill kills Sean, and then like everything happens. Yeah, and then Sean shows up at the end in a white tux. Everybody loves you, Chrissy. Did we do that one for rewatch? Yeah, yeah. we did. We did like eight months ago. (laughs) Pandemic was rough on me. Um, Next rewatch, we'll see Nia. God, I love Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> Do you? The crystal tambor scene. It's such a weird scene. The, the, I just the pizza like, ad is like perfect. Though. I love it's really it. Funny. I love it. And then he does that. <laughs> Have you ever hit a point when you just feel like you're as good as you're ever going to look? And he sets up the movie and it goes right to the scene with the with the kid, the kid's school. Yeah. With our guy from Total Recall. That's right. Unbelievable. Crushing that it. That scene is so good. Just crushing it. Um, and a big moment for, for our boy Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah, his debut. Yeah. And 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 looking good. Got the spiked haircut. That's I right. think I had that haircut that year. <laughs> Look good. He looked very Jake Joan Holly. Uh well, Liz Kelly favorite, Jake Joan Hall. Mm. Just walked <laughs> back and forth in front of my office when I was podcasting. You know that story, right, Greg? Yeah, I mean just back no and need forth. To bring just that up. Left 
left tracks in front of my office. <laughs> Love them. Jake's a great actor. Great actor. Uh, next rewatch with the fireplace scene when uh, when Kirby and Stern get in a fight. This movie, I just really like Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird it's that one he's of my takeaways. It's weird it's like, that wow, Bruno really Kirby's the guy. alpha in this movie. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> glad you brought that up because he's about 5'6", not exactly yeah. well built. But and I'm not sure if that hair He looks like a Super Mario brother yeah. and he's yeah. just like, oh, you guys, I'm, I'm just landing uh, young chicks left and right. It's I, like, okay. It's kind of like what he was playing in When Harry Met Sally too, sure. where he's like this bachelor writer who's got the pulse of New York. Yeah, I read a lot of, I was reading about him last night and every piece about him is like the quintessential New Yorker, Bruno Kirby. It's like, this guy really carved out quite a career for himself, given the fact that, you know, like you said, he's got the Mario mustache <laughs> and I don't I, know, is he is he like cool or handsome or interesting? See, here's the thing. I'm a little older than you guys. There was a stretch in New York when half the men in New York looked like Bruno Kirby <laughs> and they were all Yankee fans. They were all in cruising. Yeah, they were, no, they were, <laughs> <laughs> they all had the Yankee hat and the and the big bushy mustache and the dark yeah, hair. Yeah, and they just yeah. all looked and they could have been cops. They would or, wait till 8.45 p.m. when they'd had two Heinekens and then they would call into sports radio. Right. <laughs> complain about... What's Strawberry doing out there? Complain about Billy Martin. <laughs> I have some great Bruno Kirby stuff for later. I like that scene. I like the harmonica scene with uh, Jack and Billy. Hey, you know, the first time I tried to talk to you, you embarrassed me. So I teased you a little bit, which maybe I shouldn't have done. So I'm sorry. But now you're sitting over there playing with your knife, trying to frighten me. But you're doing a good job. But if you're going to kill me, get on with it. If not, shut the hell up. I'm on vacation. Really okay. strong. Yeah. Good stuff. All the Jack Billy stuff is good. They're great. Yeah. Um, the... The one thing. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean shit. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. Just gotta find your one thing, Chris. Chris found it in the process. <laughs> I did. I, I was planning to ask you both. I if found you it found in trading KJ thing. McDaniels for a second round pick. <laughs> I don't know if it's one thing. I actually disagreed with Jack's oh. advice. I think I feel like it's multiple things. Yeah, yeah. One thing is kind of confining. Well, it's it's made pretty clear that Billy Crystal's one thing is his family, right? Your family, the people that you love, being close to them, spending your time on them. His wife, who's like, "Get the fuck out of here and don't come back till you have a smile on your face." Patricia Wedding. Great family. Yeah, what a run for her. Great family. Thirty something. So your one thing is the process. Right. Your, your one thing is I'm trying to do more things. Right. I have seven things. What about you? Bruno Kirby. Yeah. <laughs> Just completing your Bruno, Bruno Kirby, Kirby coffee book. I really like the my best day. The films of Ron Underwood. <laughs> my best day, worst day scene. That's I good. think is really good. I think that's my oh, that's favorite, great. most rewatchable. That's the best scene. I'm 14 and my mother and father are fighting again. You know, because she caught him again. Caught him. This time, the girl drove by the house to pick him up. And I finally realized he wasn't just cheating on my mother. He was cheating on us. So I told him. I said, you're bad to us. We don't love you. I'll take care of my mother and my sister. We don't need you anymore. And he made like he was going to hit me. 
but I didn't budge. Then he turned around and he left. Never bothered us again. But I took care of my mother and my sister from that day on. That's my best day. What was your worst day? Same day. His description, his it. description of the Yankees game. Yeah. I have a huge issue with the baseball team allegiances in this Thank movie, you. and That's, we will this talk is about the number this. one picking. Day. And I know it's, that it was a, I know it was a business decision, but his description of walking into Yankee Stadium after only having seen it in black and white TV is and then he's awesome. a Mets fan. Yeah. True story, more true story from Billy Crystal. But how do you tell that story? And then it's like, and that's why I love the Mets. It's my number, 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 number one. It's beyond a nitpick. So it's the story that he tells. If you believe that he's thirty nine in the movie, and the way that he's telling the story, he's seven years old. This would have been nineteen fifty nine. So the Mets would not exist Mm -hmm. at the time of him entering Yankee Stadium when he tells that story and sees yeah. Mantle hit a home run. are going full like, but House of Mal breakdown. Right I here. have thought about this a lot. Obviously, the Mets are very important to me. But if you were that overwhelmed by the Yankees at age seven, there is no chance in hell you would switch allegiances to the Mets. Zero. My my dad switched allegiances from the Giants to the Mets, but the Giants were not as iconic and necessarily as beloved as the Yankees. Nor were they specifically as successful at the and time. moved and they moved. There's There's a, no the way. only way is if if he really hated Steinbrenner. It was like this guy Steinbrenner came in and I f- finally had enough. I love Tom I mean, Did people do that? Nobody did, did nobody, that. Nobody, nobody no did way. That. Even though the Yankees were not good in the 80s and the Mets were, it's still not. The, the only time that's ever happened is when you were like, I'm going to switch my allegiances to like the, the nuggets, nuggets or whatever. Yeah, that was worth it. Yeah, Paid off. For like four months. Paid off big time. Great four months for me. <laughs> so I had the answer for why Mello. he did this. The New York Mets made a major contribution to his comic relief charity. Yeah. And in return, he decided to wear a Mets hat in the movie. And in return, he decided to tell a touching story about being a Yankees fan. Yes. That's insane that he yeah. did that. But the Ben and Jerry's guys are like, get me the Mets score. Yes, which is great. But the, and I guess part of that is because Mandel and Gans are huge Mets fans. Yeah. So they put that in the script. Didn't like it. Uh, any other rewatchable scenes for you guys? This um, movie pretty much falls apart the last 40 minutes and I do not have any rewatch. I like, I really like there. when Daniel Stern, when the cashier comes to the party and, and confronts Daniel Stern about his adultery and, and his wife is that like, part is funny. What, what, what are you doing here, Nancy? Who's, who's on register nine? I don't know what to do. Ramaki? I don't think this is the time or the place to talk about this. I'm late. What? I missed my period. Oops. What? I was at work and on my break and I took one of those home pregnancy tests from aisle 11. The ones on special? Yes. And it came up Blue. Why is she telling you this, Phil? Because I'm 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 her boss, and, and we we have a health plan. Son of a bitch! You screwed this little girl in my father's store. Oh no no! Nick was in his car. Oh Jesus! And I'm not a little girl. I'm twenty. Get out of here! I'm so calling my dad. Bizarre, so Helen Slater, Slater's in this movie. Yeah. That girl, the cashier, was her sister in The Legend of Billie yeah, Jean, yes. one of the great 80s movies of all time. I That's, would definitely, I love Legend of Billie Jean. It's a great one. First of all, I just hit my bet on you guys sharing a love for The Legend of Billie Jean, which I placed uh, about three <laughs> months FanDuel. ago. Yeah, on FanDuel, which I'm really excited about. Second of all, it's Yardley Smith, who was the voice of Lisa Simpson, yeah. playing the, the cashier Let me tell girl. you guys something. Mm. Once upon a time on this podcast, I told you how Pump Up the Volume created podcasting. The Legend of Billie Jean created the internet. I agree with you, one hundred percent. All the original everything viral star in the internet, is Billie Jean. Everything that happens in the internet from '97 on is foretold in the Legend of Billie That's right. Jean. Fair is fair. My second bet just hit. <laughs> I bet that Bill would predict 
the internet based on watching The Legend of Billie Jean. Very they fair. put it all together. They knew about the Apple computers. They knew some super highway was out there. And through this proxy of Billie Jean, they created the internet. Wow. I bet Craig hasn't seen that movie. I have not. Christian Slater. Have you understood like 40% of what no, we've talked about in this I podcast? I never do, no. He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> what do you have for most rewatchable scenes, Sean? Uh, I love Best Day, Worst Day. Also, Kirby, phenomenal in that scene. Yeah. Great performance. So you don't like, you don't think that the way that Underwood staged the stampede isn't the most rewatchable scene? Um, I, I'm happy to be an absolute self-parody here and be like, there are parts of this movie that are beautiful and really well done. Honestly, this movie is shot by Dean Sandler. I agree with you. I'm this is a wild-looking Western. Good script. <laughs> It's just it is. Movie. It's got great bones. Just like I said great about bones. Raiders. It's Raiders and City Slickers. <laughs> What's <laughs> what age the best? The midlife crisis angle actually works. Yep. Um, the shocking curly death. Usually when that happens at a movie and then you watch it the fifth time and say, like, oh, there's a part where Curly dies. It's still shocking each time that he's sitting up there and you don't realize he's dead or not. I think it's well handled. Young Jake Gyllenhaal is aged great. Yeah. It's hilarious to see Young He Jake has Gyllenhaal. literally aged wonderfully. Yeah. He looks pretty pretty similar. Uh, the one the one arm push-ups thing became one of the most, I would say, five famous Oscars moments. Huge one, yeah. They and, recreated it the following year. He like remember he dragged the giant Oscar statuette out just to kind of emphasize that this seventy year old man was still so strong. Saying the title and the dialogue, I really appreciate. As you know, I love that. Yeah, you city you guys slickers, are a bunch of city slickers. <laughs> um, at this age, where you are, you are. So, like, uh, are we gonna be existential in this conversation? I just, I like that they have some good fortune cookie one liners that I think are well done. I thought that was a good one. Do you, I do disagree. You I don't think I believe in that. Do I, I believe that at, at a certain age you are where you are? No, I don't. I don't either. Especially like age 39. I haven't like, even begun like to peak. Yeah. Yeah. I have a whole other level of <laughs> CR. Sierra's gonna be running an NBA what's, team what's in like the, 10 years. That's right. What's next for you? I just, me and Kate Winslet are gonna buy a G League team, <laughs> really show people how to do it. <laughs> We're going to go, we're going to zag. We're going to start all shooting twos, all okay. mid-range. Given all this wisdom that you have, and Bill, you obviously have an enormous amount of wisdom too. I'm six weeks away from turning 39. I know. I was thinking of you during this. So what, do you, what do you think that Billy Crystal me? looks like he's turning 39 in this movie? Well, he's 43 during the making of the movie and he looks like he's 51. I would yeah. say 47 is the new 39 for now. I, I was talking with Andy about this the other day. I was watching this, um, this the Elaine May movie called Mikey and Nikki with John Cassavetes and Peter Falk. And I realized that they in the movie are like, my age now, but they look like they're 750 years old. Like guys back then just looked so much older, no matter what age they were. Yeah. But they're also 25,000 whiskey sours and 8,000 cigars <laughs> I know. deep by the time you get to that movie. Their their skin is just like pure leather though. <laughs> More would say it's the best. Um, the, the, the terrible Billy Crystal one-liners, which I really enjoy, like, women need a reason to have sex. Men just need a place. <laughs> he's just working his... <laughs> he wrote all of this. He's working his Tonight Show yes. uh, five minutes, right. just sneaking it in, which I enjoy. I like his monologue in the in the classroom when he... It's an it's a great... The meaning of life. Your teenagers great. think you can do anything. Your 20s are a blur. Your 30s, you raise a family, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? Go on. We can play the clip. When you're a teenager... You think you can do anything, and you do. Your 20s are a blur. 30s, you raise your family, you make a little money, and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly, you grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your old girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have a minor surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's a surgery. 
60s, you'll have a major surgery. The music is still loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. The 70s, you and the wife retire to Fort Lauderdale, start eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10, breakfast the night before. Spend most of your time wandering around malls looking for the ultimate soft yogurt and muttering, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? The 80s, you'll have a major stroke. You end up babbling to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but who you call mama. Any questions? Your 50s, you it's have really minor good. surgery. You'll call it a procedure, but it's surgery. By your 80s, you've had a major stroke and you end up babbling <laughs> to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but you call mama. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's good. good. It's really, really good, good script writing. Uh, and then last, what's age the best? I just like... The being the normal people being in like a basically a Western setting, yeah, I think is always worked. Fish out of water tale, yeah. yeah, works really well. Also, all of the surrounding cast that they, you know, all those people who I'm sure we'll talk about in the other categories, I think are all really well cast and really fun to be around. Yeah, I agree. Any other words, age the best? Well, I have one that might be an unanswerable question, so we can just wait to that. Okay, uh, what's age the worst? The two drunk cattle guys are just so bizarre. It's such a weird shift in the movie where Curly dies and then it's like well we have these guys like oh no they've been drinking and then they're real just playing bad, with like, guns really and, bad alcoholics because they're totally nice guys when they're not drinking yeah they're playing with guns and taunting Mitch to come out because they're gonna kill Norman the <laughs> calf it's like what's happening where where did these we, these it wasn't even hinted that these guys were evil in any way I think a lot of 80s and 90s movies have this problem where they're like this movie has no tension what we need to do is invent two characters who will fuck shit up for 20 minutes like right. otherwise what five purpose minutes. do they serve right. they introduce Curly by being threatening towards Helen Slater at the beginning and then they get drunk and start shooting guns and otherwise like you don't even really need them I guess you understand that Curly can't herd the cattle by himself. He needs some ranch hands to help him along. But it's a, it's a really odd part of the movie, that little 20 minutes when they're... Well, it villains. is. It's like it's, it's funny because it's like if Taylor Sheridan had written this, like those guys, there would have been like a massive shootout between those guys like at some point. But in, in this movie, they just like disappear. And then to be fair, for as sort of useless as they are, the last 35 minutes is like, oh no, are they going to cross a river? Like that's, yeah. that's like the major... The last 30... 5% of this movie is, uh, it kind of falls off. The opening graphics are just, it's this weird stretch in the late 80s, early 90s when they would spend like real money on opening graphics and yeah. they'd last for a while. And it's, it's like yeah. a four <laughs> minutes of the yeah. movie. It's like, what is this? My wife last night literally said like, is this still going? Yeah. <laughs> weird animation of this cowboy? <laughs> yeah. He's doing a rope thing. Um, is that like a like... A, like the way like the Pink Panther would have just like a five minute cartoon. Yeah, yeah. But it, that actually worked. It, I mean, it, th at least that was thematically coherent with the character and the story. I, it's it's literally just a time suck. This is a movie that did not have to be that long. They have a whole conversation about recording on a different channel. That, that was, could not have aged the worst more. It, it's the one VCR of those things thing. that you would, It made me feel so old. It would take like an it. hour to explain that to Craig. Yeah. yeah. Did, you, you, did, you, did you have any experience with the VCR? Yes. Yeah. Like recently? No, growing up, we used to have VCR tapes. Yeah. Okay. Oh. We had like Star Wars on VCR. There you go. Uh, another what's age the worst? Director Ron Underwood's IMDb. <laughs> Let's go through it. Great. Tremors, 1990. Yeah, what a, what a debut. Like, City really? Slickers, 91. We're, we're doing well yeah, here. cooking. Heart and Souls, 93. Underrated. Speechless, 94. Getting worse. A four-year break until Mighty Joe Young in 98. Not ideal. Adventures of Pluto Nash in 02. All-time bomb. Yeah. Stealing Sinatra 03. 
And we're in the TV movie stage. So he's like, he's like, uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Mr. Underwood, like JV Rob Reiner, right? Um, like a, a safe pair of hands. There was somebody who, Tremors was like a, I think a really well-respected yeah, indie creative like, movie. No, it was kind of so like, he had some moments it was like, oh, this guy could be like a Joe Dante kind of like. Yeah. So I, we actually talked about who I think is the JV Rob Reiner on the show last year. We talked about Stephen Herrick. Yeah. Who was the director of Mr. Holland's Opus. Right. And also directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, Mighty Ducks, Three Musketeers, 101 Dalmatians, Holy Man, Rockstar. Mm-hmm. The, the Underwood thing is weird because like his first two movies are pretty darn good. And make are and well, successful. Are hugely successful. Yeah. Tremors at least like successful enough to have like five sequels. Definitely. Yeah. And Maybe he couldn't find that one thing. Yeah. <laughs> Making more Tremors movies. Heart and Souls, though, another movie is just on HBO every day for about five years. That's like Who's the Robert Downey one? Jr. movie, right? Robert Downey Jr. is like the spirit who replaces uh is it a, 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 Oh, it's like a Heaven Can Wait ripoff. Elizabeth Shoes. Yeah, I didn't like yeah. that. Yeah, I didn't yeah, watch yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, Moral would say the worst. Veal. This movie makes you feel bad about eating veal. I'll still eat it. Do you, you like you like a veal parm, right? Yeah, I do like the veal parm. But I did feel bad about it as I watched Norman. This is a, a little bit of a picking nit, but did we need that sequence at the end where the the owner of the Miami Dolphins from Ace Ventura is, who is also the ranch owner, <laughs> yeah. um, when he explains that he's selling these cattle? Did he just, do we need that? I think that was, I had this later, but I'll just do it now. I think that was the birth of veganism, that speech. You think so? Oh, yeah. And that's when vegans all decided, like, fuck this, we're not eating meat anymore. I think you, you look at a lot of vegan literature, it often points to the city Beyond slickers. Burger. Yeah. Beyond Burger, they say city slickers was <laughs> when it started that day. Whenever I see that guy in a movie, all I can hear is, find the fish, find new jobs. <laughs> uh, I have, yeah, that is a weird like five minutes where they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, I got to sell them. The market price is high. He's <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> Whatever you say, sir. I think Lowell and Babalu, maybe they wrote the first hour and they sold it. And they're like, hey, what about the last 40 well, they, minutes? They, I was looking at research and like, they famously like, didn't really do like quote unquote research. Like they wrote it and like right, they'd never sent been it to someone who had yeah. done this and they were like, sure, that could happen. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> they didn't do research. What, it's not like they had other jobs. So the only job was to be a screenwriter. Well, but they're, most of their movies had like quasi Can you imagine if they'd spent concept? like three years researching this? It's like, oh God, the City Slicker script is really chasing me through the halls. <laughs> I've been working on it so hard. <laughs> but so what happens to this guy's business if he just sells all these cattle? I Can think it's no funny long- that these guys thought the job of this place was to walk cattle back and forth between <laughs> Colorado and New Mexico. <laughs> a lot of, lot of unanswered questions. Um, I have one more what's age the worst, but I want to save it until you, if you guys have any. Um, there's just like a, a tone to these movies that I, I don't know if it's aged the worst, but like letting Billy Crystal get like one extra kind of bad dad joke every scene that right. we need. And it's also like the Mark Shaman score, which is kind of like the Danny Elfman score, which is just kind of like, there's that like the gospel music that's playing during the stampede. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just yeah. kind of, or when they come back and every the solo shots of every person coming out of the cabin, they're back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely it's like a hookiness or something. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. It is. It's like, it's not like a family movie because they, they like are talking about women for the entire movie, right. but there is like a kind of softness to it. Yeah. It's corny. Yeah. It's corny. Yeah. yeah. That's it. All right. 
here's this is this is, gets goes into its own section, but we'll start here. What's age the worst? City Slickers two, mm-hmm. a movie that was really only made because there was money to be made. And I think that you basically Kirby not doing CS two is the equivalent of Duvall not doing Godfather three. <laughs> well, and I have a lot of stuff to, to go into on this, but basically TLOC. The only the way they can Curly's do this is, is if Jack Palance can be in it, but he can't because he's dead. <laughs> so guess what? Let's he's get him a twin, twin brother. brother. Yeah, and let's and the movie which I watched recently because um, I really enjoy the John Lovitz Fredo stuff. <laughs> so John Lovitz replaces Bruno Kirby and has no real gimmick. He's just like kind of the loser brother of yeah. somebody, but just does these Fre- these Godfather two speeches and does. Long monologues from God and everything he brings back to Godfather too. It's actually really funny. I sometimes like bust balls on the on the watch or whatever. If we're talking about like Marvel movies, I'm like, these are just so you know like stupid. They're so like the the backflips they have to do to like bring characters back to life. And then I remember like I went and saw the Legend of Curly's Gold. (laughs) (laughs) So, but more than that, it's really underrated how you you Bill Simmons. Great man, very successful man. We'll Thank just be you. like, it's time to fire up Legend of Curly's Gold. It's, it's a Thursday. <laughs> no, it wasn't a fire. It was a, it was a channel flip, and Lovitz was doing Godfather Two, and I'm like, wait, what? And I just kind of he started you back in, started watching, which leads us to the most important part of this podcast: the Bruno Kirby Billy Crystal feud. Yeah, Bruno Kirby, not in City Slickers Two. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows why. Not discussed by either man. And then when Bruno Kirby died in the mid-2000s, there was a lot of kind of stuff on the internet about what happened with those guys. So I read a an, an excuse for why he didn't do the movie. Right. I don't know how true this it's, is. That he was allergic to horses. Was the, was the, he had to get shots right, on the yes, set. That he had a very hard time during the making of City Slickers because he was allergic to horses and was on horseback a lot and just didn't want to deal with that for TLOC. So the story on the internet was... Either during or after the making City Slickers, Kirby and Crystal had falling out because they had been in When Harry Met Sally and then this. And then Crystal decided, I'm not going to work with Kirby. And then there was rumors he had Bruno Kirby blackballed, which is absurd because Billy Crystal, as famous as he was, did not have power to get people blackballed. But Bruno Kirby's IMDb falls apart pretty much immediately after this movie. Um, Jeffrey Wells, what's his site, Hollywood Elsewhere? Yeah, Chris's favorite Hollywood journalist. He... (laughs) His theory was, quote, when the word goes out on an actor or actress that he, she is bad news and more trouble than he, she is worth and has made an ver- enemy a very important person, et cetera, people pick up on this. They tend to steer clear away from him or her. It's cowardly. People do this. Actors can go cold, blah, blah, blah. Once again, I'm not saying Crystal did this to Kirby. I don't know anything. When did he write this? In the mid-2000s. Okay, because it would be really funny if he was writing this <laughs> like yesterday. Theory. Yeah, whole theory about that. But then- 2001, USA Today is Susan, Polish last name that I'm not going to be able to say because my pronunciation dyslexia. Um, she interviewed Crystal as part of a press junket for America's Sweethearts and said, what's your worst junket story? And said, the only thing I could come up with is that when you were making City Slickers 2, you and Bruno Kirby had a falling out. Crystal says he wasn't in City Slickers 2. She says, yeah, I know, but there was some reason he didn't do it. Are you guys still friends? Crystal. I haven't spoken to him. I think we are. I haven't seen him or spoken to him in a long time. And then he goes, this is a perfect situation. We're going to talk about the movie and you're talking about something personal or whatever is that happened, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. 
She says, it's about the movie. It's the subject of the movie is the press and famous people. And Crystal said, so now you're my worst junket story. Wow. Well, Chris, we got to try to find a way to avoid a fallout like that. You and me where you're getting asked by like... Whatever happened to Chris Ryan? Yeah. Did you blackball him from the podcasting industry? <laughs> no, we're still friends. Just haven't seen him in 10 years. Just, he was really traumatized when me and Bill pulled the game on him. <laughs> Chris Bill is, shot me. Chris is trying to get on locker room under pseudonyms. We keep kicking him off. <laughs> Chrissy O'Connor. Yeah. Is there a more unlikely feud in Hollywood history than Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby? We'll, I was just we'll like never blown know. away by this. Two alphas, you know? I, they did a lot of work together, you know, when Harry met Sally and City Slickers. And who was more responsible for the success of those movies? It is, the, the thing you're saying, though, about Kirby's, I mean, to the extent that anybody cares about this, the, 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 the Kirby... People care. The drop-off <laughs> after City Slickers, he's like uncredited in Hoffa. Yeah. I don't think he has a big part in Basketball Diaries. It's really weird. He's like... He's good in Donnie Brasco. Irishman in Sneakers. Yeah. Sleepers, uh... Donnie Brasco. He's good in Donnie Brasco. And then like kind of just disappears a little bit. Yeah. I need to, he died very young. Let's take a break and then we'll do casting what ifs. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, Data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh, my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Vital Farms keeping it bull free. We always wanted our kids as they were growing up to have stuff that came from the right places. Vital Farms is perfect for this. Here's how good Vital Farms is. You can go to vitalfarms.com slash farm and you can get a 360 degree peek at the actual farm where your eggs came from. Uh, it's a certified bee corporation. They are devoted to improving the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Great taste. You can do fried, poached, scrambled. Vital Farms bet you can taste the difference. Food simply tastes better when you know where it came from. Shop the farm that's a certified bee corporation and gives their hens the lifestyle they deserve. Vital Farms. Look for the black Vital Farms carton in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. All right, casting what ifs. Crystal said Palance was the first choice, but he couldn't do it. He had another film to make, so he contacted Charles Bronson. Bronson said no, because he didn't like the character died. Then Palance got out of the other movie, joined the cast. Charles Bronson would have been interesting. You think he, you think that haunted him, not being in City Slickers? The he did win an Oscar. The story that Crystal tells about this is great, where he gets on the phone with him, um, with Bronson, and Bronson's like, I'm Charles Bronson. I don't die. Fuck you. <laughs> My character doesn't die. <laughs> Bronson. And, and 
the idea of Bronson insisting upon this character not dying, even though the whole movie turns on Curly dying, and then him saying no, hanging up the phone, and then Palance winning an Oscar. Yeah, and, and Bronson also, never winning an Oscar Palance like this. Palance then not dying because he comes back in Curly's gold. Yes. As the twin, Charles Bronson could have doubled up right and, there. And could have lined his bank account. And you know that Bronson is younger than Palance, but they occupy similar They're space. The same vortex. Mm-hmm. You know, the same sort of like Western hero type who kind of fell into a different kind of stage of their career in the 80s and 90s. I don't know. Bronson would have been good. That would have been the make good for Death Wish, you know? Just Hot like take. all the ones that we missed on. Curly should not have died. So what happens? So the what, movie immediately falls apart when he dies. Maybe but, he just breaks his leg. Like yeah, what? something he needs to happen. Oh, so he breaks his leg, but you want him to stay in the movie, so you don't want him to get dragged by the dentist want, to the town. I don't want Curly to die at all. How about this? Did Curly need to die? Couldn't they have gone through their whole midlife crisis figuring out shit with Curly there? It has to be his responsibility. More Curly scenes. You guys don't understand the rules of Gans and, and Mandel's <laughs> screenwriting here. You got it. You got to <laughs> test the, the main character. <laughs> well, Rick Moranis was originally cast as Phil, Daniel Stern's part, had to leave the production because his wife got ill. Daniel Stern, they added like three weeks before they started filming. That's a crazy thing because it, I believe that, I believe she was diagnosed with cancer and she later died of cancer. And then that's why he left movies, Rick Moranis. He yeah. left movies for 25 years mm-hmm. because he had to take care of his family. So I think that was when that first happened. And then he went on to make a few more movies after that. But um, Has he done anything recently? Rick Moranis like, totally this movie would have been strange. He, he's coming back to make his first movie, I think, next year, which is like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie. But he hasn't made a movie in like 25 years. But it is Rick a Honey, Moranis, like a literally, like just a I sequel? think it's called Shrunk. I oh, think. wow. Best That Guy, aka okay, the Joey Pants Award. So, couple winners here. One, uh, Robert Costanza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who was... In one scene, as the guy speaking to the kids, you know him from Total Recall. You know him from a bunch of stuff. He is one of those guys, or Bill Henderson, the older dentist. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys too. I'd also say Tracy Walter is Cookie. Is Tracy is that guy? And ever the 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 chef, the cook guy. Yeah, the older dentist will always be the cop from Clue to me. Oh yeah. He's the guy who I like the, the older dentist because I didn't know that guy's name until I looked it up. His son is a is a Gen Gen Z millennial, that guy. His son is in Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Oh. oh look wow. at that. Great, great get. Craig. Um I have not seen that television program. <laughs> Vincent Hayden, give me all you got award for overacting. It's gotta be Daniel Stern's wife, Arlene. She dies. Or Daniel it up. Stern in that scene where he's just like a or Daniel Stern in a country out yeah, in China. That whole scene is there's a lot of overacting going on. He's there. he he just basically is carrying over all the home alone energy. Yep. Stern also put put together a billion dollar box office year this year, didn't he? Yeah. Home Alone and, and this. Yeah. yeah. Dead. And he was also on The Wonder Years as and then the narrator. Sa- and Sandlot's happening too. Yeah. At some point fairly soon. What about Kyle Secor for overacting? Yeah. Detective Tim Bayless. On, on the brink of Getting that gig on Homicide. Yeah. And he's playing this mean-spirited cowboy. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Jed Nelson Award for people who didn't seem like they belonged in the movie. I think, like, Patricia Wedig was still playing her 30-something character. <laughs> it's it's like a real, like, I'm seriously I'm taking this entire thing really seriously. Yeah, it's like, she's like, should I, should I loosen up this character? No, just keep also, your 30-something Also, you just lose energy. your mind at the character, at, at Billy Crystal's as Mitch just doing one-liners when you're asking him like real questions about his life and he's just like hello and you're yeah. just like what the fuck we're gonna get divorced yeah <laughs> Dion Waiters award nominees are Robert Costanza he's back Noble Willingham man 
I my find vote, the fish or find new jobs. <laughs> my uh, my vote would be for a combo vote, rarely seen team vote for the uh, Ben and Jerry's guys, Pamer and Mostel. Yeah, that's, I really like those that's guys. A good one. Two Every goats. scene they're in, two great, great job by them. The whole and the the fact that there is a scene in a blockbuster film from 1991 that hinges on those guys pairing ice creams with different meals. And people in the theater were probably like, this is awesome. Sea bass, grilled, sauteed. I'm with you. Potatoes are gratin. Asparagus. Rum raisin. Woof! I almost put that in most rewatchable scenes, but I knew we'd talk about it here. It's just a riveting 90 seconds. It's pretty funny. I mean, it's a great like parody of the showdowns. But the, the flavors aren't even that exotic. Yeah. They're like rum raisin. It's like it's not like now where it's like Riesling and pears. It's like it's like pretty like basic flavors. Asparagus. Just <laughs> like what? Is Josh Mostel to you more? This guy from City Slickers, one yeah. half of Fake Ben and Jerry's, or Principal Max Anderson from Billy Madison? He's more this guy to me. Wow. I also feel like he got weirdly marketed corrected by Wayne Knight. Big time. Yeah. He should Big have been time. in Jurassic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Recasting couch. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there. Daniel Stern and Jeffrey Tambor switch parts. Oh, that Better be movie. Funny. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I have a recasting couch, but it also bleeds into, could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Okay. We'll save it for that. Have fast internet research. Uh, Crystal came up with the idea for the movie while watching a TV show about middle-aged men going on life-changing fantasy vacations. Borrowed the plot from John Wayne's The Cowboys. Hired uh, Chris's peeps, Lowell and Babalu. <laughs> Are they like your uncles or something? No. Um, the actual <laughs> quote from Billy here. 10-year-old Jake making his film debut as Crystal's son. Crystal recalls he was always performing. He would sing from South Pacific and we'd go, he's gay. He's going to be gay. This is an actual quote that's on what? the internet. When did he say that? Billy Crystal. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in the research. <laughs> Bruno <laughs> Kirby. It sounds like you spent a year in a library. <laughs> it was in there. Google it. the research. Google it. Bruno Kirby. Look, it's on the internet. <laughs> I said this was half-assed. Uh, the crystal best day of my life story actually really did happen. Um, 10 or 11 different cows were used as Norman. Hmm. Norman's birth scene, um, was shot in it's three Craig's, different Craig's states. favorite scene. <laughs> the river crossing was the toughest to shoot because the cows kept mounting each other. <laughs> yeah, they did. And then, uh, Crystal's daughter was his real daughter, Lindsay, who's apparently a gem. I've okay. I heard great things about her. I didn't know that, but I will say when she showed up on screen, she I was like, this is like the just, best casting I've ever seen yeah, in my right. life. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Though. Apex Mountain, Billy Crystal. Yes. Bruno Kirby. No. Young Clemenza. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Godfather too. And he it's played like the young gun, Clemenza. The gun at the door frames with yeah. De Niro. Yeah. Daniel Stern, unquestionably, yes. yes. Cattle vacations, I'm going to say yes. Hmm. Cattle vacations. Cattle vacations. Well, it depends it on whether or not you consider Westworld a cattle vacation. Ooh. You know? Good call. Movie scenes with uh, Running of the Bulls? How many others are there? I don't know. Gosh, I can't think of any right that, now. That's a real Hollywood flex. 
we got to go shoot it in Pamplona for one for one scene in City Slickers. And they did, and yeah. they really did shoot yeah. it. Those guys were there and they were doing it. I'm sure there's like a historic I couldn't come up on the top of, of my head. cinema that features the running of the bulls <laughs> yeah, in Pamplona. It's like a, a movie that you're like, missing. CR, you fucking clown. How'd you forget about this movie? <laughs> Jack Palance. It's got to be Shane for him. I don't yeah. care that he won the yes, Oscar. Yeah. He's in fucking Shane. Yeah, it's like so. He's in this movie for five minutes. He's yeah. a fucking bad guy in Definitely Shane. Shane. Helen Slater, obviously it's, creating it's the internet Billie and Legend Billie Jean yeah. has to be her apex. She had, she was kind of floated around for a while. She was in a really pivotal Seinfeld. Supergirl. She was Supergirl. Love her. Good career. I'm, I, I, w- I was expecting more of a mutual appreciation society for her from the both of you. I feel like she checks a lot of boxes for Bill and Chris. Patricia Wedig, Definitely. 30-something's going. I just want you guys to know how much I hated 30-something and how much I made fun of I it. I have never heard about this. Let's go. Yeah. Let me hear I've never My seen it. My mom loved it. I, thought it I used seems to like argue a... about it. I used to do imitations of the characters. You've got to open up to me. But let me ask I you have cancer. a question. If 30-something had come on like five years ago, do you think it would be like your favorite show? No. No. Because 30-something was annoying. This movie is kind of, is in a similar vein of 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 storytelling though you know the sort of like coming only, to grips but with no sense of humor the only sentimental tv show i ever liked was party of five those those five orphans really got me that was the only sentimental because otherwise TV show? you like the corny sentimental tv show i got, I got are, hate to break it to you there's some sentimentality in miami vice bill yeah <laughs> fair fair <laughs> that can't be true what you just said that's the only sentimental Let's thing. Say, those shows can we talk are, this out a little bit? like Seventh Heaven type shows. I was just out on no, but all like, those. did you like the first season of Grey's Anatomy? No. D- do you do you find ER sentimental? I guess not. No, there are parts that's of it. ER is a good show, <laughs> but that's they're not different. Like they could be sentimental I'm and good. Shows that their calling card was like, I'm going to make you feel stuff. Did you like Six Feet Under? No. What about my so-called life? Never really liked it that much. Wow, Freaks and Geeks, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is very sentimental. That's a sports show, though. I mean, this is a cowboy movie. It's you could both be sentimental. I don't know. I feel like you're cutting the cheese a little thin here. You guys can think what you want. <laughs> Picky nits. I don't think anyone flips out at age 39 like this. I think it should be like 46. That's when your body. That's when you like can't play sports the same way, and that's when you really start feeling your mortality. I beg to differ, but okay. Um, Helen Slater. Just not going on this trip by herself. I'm yeah. not buying it. Yeah. Just no. Yeah, but her friend I, cancels. She's like, I'm gonna do this anyway. I'm just gonna go with these 10 much guys. Much more believable in '91, where you might like you don't have a cell phone, so you get off the flight. Like only the rich guys have the cell phone in this movie, right? And yeah. it's like you maybe get off the flight and you're just like, Oh god, my friend flaked. Now I'm screwed. <sighs> That's what I'm gonna do to you. Sorry, they're gonna run the game on you. <laughs> I'm also not gonna show up. She's getting back <laughs> in the plane. Bruno Kirby married to a 25-year-old lingerie model? Sure. I don't know. You said he's got the look. Yeah. <laughs> he's an alpha. <laughs> Didn't... Did it, is, it is absurd that that woman would be like, this guy's the best. Yeah. <laughs> this guy runs a I'm fucking... dating this sporting goods, sporting goods store in New York City. I mean, is it any less believable than at the end of City Slickers, Helen Slater being like, Daniel Stern, that's my guy. Yeah, Bro, Daniel Stern is about to be economically destitute. Yeah. <laughs> Had that coming in an unanswerable question. Incredibly troubling. <laughs> slept with a 20-year-old. Yeah. yeah. They didn't bury Curly nearly deep enough. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, you, when you bury somebody and you can see the hump where the body is, I'm pretty sure hmm. stuff's gonna pick that thing apart pretty quickly. Nope. You really gotta dig the hole. I'll dig the fucking hole. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Take this first fucking hole I dug. The legend of Curly's corpse. Dig the hole. Dig uh, the hole better, guys. We needed to get Tommy DeSimone out, out here. And then uh, this is my favorite one at the end. The Miami Dolphins owner. He's like, hey, we're going to give you your money back. It's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> our, our, one of our tour guides just dropped dead and the other two like tried, tried to, to kill, kill us. us. Yeah. Thanks for the refund. Yeah. Everyone cheers. They're like, oh, uh, yeah. Risked our lives I to bring also- your fucking cattle back, dickface. <laughs> So is this unanswerable questions territory? We can go go there now. So like, how far are they from civilization? Like, it just seems like they're just like, are they just, is is America like that? Where you're like in, in Southern Colorado and you're just like, we're just like mile, like hours away from anybody else. Well, I think you are in certain parts of like Wyoming, Colorado, Montana. But furthermore, if the Miami Dolphins owner lost those cattle, like is his life over? Because he had, I think his yeah, life would be over because deal. Patricia Wedig would have sued him for a million dollars or whatever. Wow. This is like not a good business. We're giving you your money back and everybody reacts like, oh. And they're like, like actually, I'd rather happening? run this back. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, any other picking nits for you guys? We've mentioned. I can't get over stuff. the Mets hat thing. Yeah. The well, hats. I would just also say the that Mets hat is egregious. it was wild to watch this. And and just see the centrality of baseball still there. We're like these guys arguing about yes. Clemente versus Aaron. Or when they know the third baseman's name, they all argue. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if it was today, would they be like, the thing is that the Nets are actually the perfect team for this day's NBA. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're like, what would they be saying? We don't appreciate LeBron Third enough. Horses like- <laughs> talking about player empowerment. I kind of feel like movies could use that, honestly. Yeah, that's yeah. something that I enjoy about this movie, though. It's a little, it obviously feels very antiquated that they're still debating you. Know, it was, the, Billy like, Crystal was like, show lives. me a time when Kyrie was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Maybe they'll do that for City Sickers 3. Uh, I have an idea for that. What? Can I tell you? So this is this is my big... It was casting. What it, it was my recasting couch, but it was also the the ten episode Netflix series. Yeah, where that's did, did that you, categories up right now. Did yeah, you consult Gans and Mandel about this. They, I'm acting as their uh, as their dip, like their ambassador here. I see. We're Chris le- is on a text thread. It just says Gans and Babalu. <laughs> Kyrie bit. Yes or no? <laughs> Corny. <laughs> there we have IP sitting on the table. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal's character would be his dad's age now. Oh. Mm-hmm. Danny Robbins hits the trail with his aging father. Yeah. Mitch, Mitchie the kid. Oh, so we had Crystal in. <laughs> yeah. And they and and Crystal maybe like we have him, he's living out west because like after a while the Patricia Wedding thing falls apart. Divorce, oh, you know. She's miserable to be with. Yeah. And yeah. then or he you know, he's not exactly a barrel of fish. Yeah, he and loses then, his smile again. He moves moves out west. He's a loner. He falls. They, a they, fan. they kind of lose their. He becomes a Clippers fan, <laughs> and they they lose to touch. Danny and Mitch. Yeah. Okay. And Danny goes out west to do a cattle drive with his dad to reconnect. How oh, are we not doing this? A thirty year anniversary cattle drive. And we would just have to give Danny something for Jake Gyllenhaal to like be interested in. Like he would have to have a twitch, or he would have to have like a weird accent, or like a weird haircut, something to keep him interested. Okay, I have a slight twist. You got some notes. Slight twist. We get Hall back, but he's playing Detective Loki from Prisoners. Right. <laughs> he's investigating the murder of Bruno Kirby at the hands of Mitchie the Kid. Who says no? I See, I thought your twist was going to be, there's like a Brokeback Mountain twist. Oh, he's back in the yeah. Western. Right. So yeah. he's with Curly Jr. And there's, he sees a spark in Curly's <laughs> right. eyes. 
I can't quit you. <laughs> it's uh, I, I I see dollar signs. I think that's gonna work. And then he's like, "Dad, what happened to Bruno you know that, Kirby? Don't talk about him ever. Shut your mouth." Crystal would probably just be like, "We got an Irishman. This thing. Me and Stern back on the horses. Just just de-age us." <laughs> So is Lovitz back for this? <laughs> yeah. Doing Godfather 2 monologues? <laughs> yeah. He would do Godfather 3, though, this time. <laughs> Don't see City Slickers 2, but go on YouTube and watch all the Lovitz Godfather 2 stuff. It's really, really, really rocks out. I like that, Chris. I like that idea. Thanks, man. Probably unanswerable questions. Um, covered a couple of these. What did they end up doing with uh, Norman? A cow in New York City. How long? Like, what... If you had to guess how many weeks before everybody's like, hey, this was dumb. I think he goes to a petting zoo. I, Pretty immediately? Not to split hairs on, on a comedy, but the moment that the kids are like, yeah, let's put this calf in the back of our van. And the wife's like, oh, well, I guess my husband's back and he brought a calf home. And the speed with which they leave the airport is shocking. It, that's the weirdest thing that a single person could possibly do. Nobody has more questions about... Wait, what? That's a cow? <laughs> is the cow going to shit in the How did he even the get van? the ca cow on the flight? I don't know. He tipped that guy pretty well, though, at the end. That's true. You see that? Yeah. That's just to show you Crystal's not cheap. Well, that was also like, you know, you could you could really hang out at the airport back then. Which you did. Yeah. Right? Back then, you were always smoking butts outside the airport. <laughs> Another unanswerable question. Helping people with their luggage. Yeah, you and Jeff Wells. This is just for Sean. You don't get to answer. Do you think CR is man enough to run with the bulls? I do. I do. I do too. I think he would. I think Chris is fearless. Uh, I think not. Maybe lives his life dangerously sometimes. Sure. But sometimes fearless. You'd do it. Uh huh. Would you do it? That's you know what that is. It's I a, do since it it's like the ten tenth anniversary of Grantland. That's a fucking Grantland piece. It's like <laughs> I would have just been like, Bill. Here's the thing. I'm just a guy who likes to write. You'd be like, go ahead. The <laughs> I try to avoid. I would have been like, we'll charge it to ESPN. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we'll charge Chris's body and soul to ESPN. Uh, I try to avoid unforced errors whenever I can in my life. I'm trying Smart. to live a clean, efficient Getting life. Getting bored? And running with bulls is not on the list. Of so you won't, you won't be helicoptering on the top of mountains that you can only ski from if you land on a helicopter? Huge that kind fan of, shit. of my life. I, yeah. I really don't want to die. So uh, <laughs> I won't be doing that. I feel the same way as you could tell by the fact that I don't wear a seatbelt. And you also <laughs> what, don't, uh, don't believe in the one thing. Yeah. What piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? Probably the the first script from Babalu and Lowell. I would do that. <laughs> Fantasy would definitely do the fucking Mets hat. Yeah. Oh, that Mets hat. That, yeah. that would be a yeah. good thing. What about uh, Norman, but in the shape of a veal parm hero? <laughs> 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 uh, I was I was gonna say Curly's hat. I forgot to ask an unanswerable question: How Palance had the cigarette so perfectly dangling, but not burning? Like whether you thought it was a stunt cigarette or not? I think it might have been because there's a be, couple right? of times where like he's lighting it with a match in the wind, and he's not like cupping it, and it's like I don't really understand. How this yeah, there's is a lot of cigarette can cannery. Yeah, I, I agree. It's 40 years of Hollywood right there. He's got it out of the mouth, and it looks so realistic. You don't question why it's not burning at all, and why there's no smoke coming off it. Would you retire to this part of the country? No. Yeah. No. Okay. I need to be near cities. You need to be near an NBA franchise. Yeah, I don't know about that as much as sit, restaurants and sporting events. I mean, how far are the Nuggets really from this from this area? That's right. You could just ride. Get out to J Jokic games from there. Ride on Norman out to the game. I voted for Curly. That'd be great. If Bill this. rode up rode a horse up to a Nuggets game. Just like keep it close. <laughs> <laughs> Who won the movie? I have Crystal. Crystal Underwood, Sean. 
Brian, Brian Underwood. I really want I to talk to about him for Apex Mountain. The mise en scène of Ron Underwood. Uh, You're going to try and zag here? Kirby? I mean, it has to be Billy Crystal, right? Yeah. There's not, yeah. Like, there can't be. Billy anything. Crystal is a box office superstar and like almost an action star in this movie. We never, Craig mentioned the PETA thing. We never talked about that. Was it, was, do you think PETA was upset about this movie? Or? I don't remember reading anything about that. That um, was definitely one of those things in 1991 that we just did not care about. That would be like something today. It would have been like for three days. It would be like, is City Slickers not going to get pulled from theaters? Right. I read that the ca- the cattle birthing scene, they used the puppet, right? So obviously that was not. That's graphic. It it was graphic. More graphic than I remember. Oh, I had one more thing I skipped over. Accidentally. The Helen Slater, A, how did she end up liking <laughs> Daniel Stern? B, why didn't Chris's hero set up the scene with just them and the campfire at two in the morning? That's a good point. Connecting right. in some way that Instead it would have made at the any end, sense. They're like hanging out together. They they have no interactions. I, I, I actually watched carefully this time. Well, the to truth see. is, is that she's probably a pretty reckless person. You know what I mean? She already went on this cattle drive by herself. She meets a guy on the cattle drive and then gets in a cab with him on the way home, even though his life is going down the toilet. She left with the Ben and Jerry guys. And then never hangs out with these with anybody again, but now has decided she's sharing a cab with Daniel Stern. I don't know. It's very odd. Chris, uh, Gans and Mandel have been living in your guest house for the last 10 years. <laughs> Should we bring them in? <laughs> Ask them about this? How much? Can you go through their IMDb? How much money do you think they made? I think I they did I never understand well. how much. I have no context for writers with scripts. They whether they you could tell me they they made a hundred million dollars. You could well, tell sure me they, they did five. very well off Parenthood, right? They were also big time punch up guys. They took a lot uh, of jobs that's, in the nineties and two thousands. That's how Goldman made all his money. Yeah. So I mean, th- they wrote a bunch of movies that, that that I think we all really like. I mean, Night Shift is their first movie. Um, I fucking love that. They movie. go from Night Shift to Splash. Get nominated. Craig, do you for know an Night Oscar. Shift? Mm-hmm. Really? I don't. I don't know if Night Shift has aged great and conceptually. I like I like the, Night Shift a lot. The prostitution ring <laughs> being run out of a morgue. <laughs> yeah. It's one of Ron Howard's first big movies as a director. So from from there, working him with Ron Howard, Splash, Spies Like Us, Gung Ho, The Money Pit. I like all of those movies. Parenthood, City Slickers, and then A League of Their Own after City Slickers. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Saturday Night, not so great. And then Greedy. That's a Bill and Sean classic. Uh, City Slickers too. Like greedy. Paycheck. Forget Paris. Not Oof, so great. It's starting to get rough here. Multiplicity. Oh. Father's Day. It's still... Liar, still, liar, uncredited, according to IMTV. Wow. Still struggling here. Ed TV. Yeah. Where the Heart Is. Fever Pitch. Oof. That, that's pretty much it. There's like five... Fever, which Fever Pitch? The, oh, five. The, the Jimmy yeah, Fallon. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you hate that, right? So they made too much money and then they were good after that. Yeah, you gotta stay hungry. They yeah. were also TV writers for years before that. They were on like Laverne and Shirley and stuff like that. They that's not, that's well. how they knew like Penny Marshall and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, they did very well. Yeah. Well, now they live in Chris's guest it's house. It's <laughs> you know? You can fall fast. It's not even a big guest house. <laughs> no, it's it's hardly, a, it's a shed, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's it for the rewatchables this week. City Slickers, weird movie. Chris, Sean, great to see you as always. Well. 